ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? This is the word of the Lord. And here's Chris Meekins. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Marie. You know, there's been so much that's been going on in the country. And lately, it feels like uh, Jesus followers were more regularly stepping into difficult things uh, where we just see the worst of humanity. And um, you see another mass shooting. Like, that's like a weekly thing. Uh, there's another angry mob doing terrible things. There's another contentious moment. There's another, there's always like some moment that pops up on my news feed that shows that there's, this country is in a very destabilizing moment. How destabilized we become. And whenever these things happen, and whenever we see something or we watch something on TV or on our news feed, and we go, you know, that seems a little weird. You know, it can really cause deep distress can really shake us at the core of our being to see the violence, to see the inhumanity, to see the instability. And right now around us, there are so many different conversations happening in these moments about what the problems are and what the solutions might be. And depending on your particular cultural perspective, like who you vote for, what your political affiliations are, how you were raised, depending on who you trust for news and who you do not trust for news, you may think that the solution is one thing or another. And the reason there's so much controversy and conflict about how to solve humans' deepest problems is because these problems are not simple. They're complex problems that we face. And in this cultural moment, we've seen extreme responses to try to attempt to address these issues. Yet, even though we've seen these extreme responses, we are still seeing some of the highest levels of mental instability. We're seeing extraordinary levels of inhumanity that is just out of control. We're seeing record levels of depression and anxiety which should lead Christians to remember what we already know to be true. And here's what I know. Humans can't fix human problems on their own. We actually need God. We actually need God. And here's the good news. The good news is found in the words of Jesus. We're going to read Matthew 7 again. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Looks like we didn't have the second slide. Um, oh well. 
Um, so the scriptures are really clear that the it that Jesus is talking about, ask for, he says, ask for it. What is the it? The it that Jesus is talking about, the it that Jesus is referencing is himself and his kingdom. You see, you don't need another public policy. You don't need a different policy maker or a different politician or a different lawmaker. At the core of your being, what you need is the God of the universe. That's what you actually need. And that's what I actually need. And Jesus says that if we want the God of the universe in all of his power, all that we need to do is ask him to be there. And his word says that he will be there. We ask God for his kingdom to come, and we believe that his kingdom will come. That's what he says, just ask. But also we see another principle here, a principle that's very important, and the principle is this. God comes where he's wanted. In these verses, we see that God comes where he's wanted. Now, I've mentioned this before. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Now that we're kind of in this vision series, I believe it's worth mentioning again. God comes where he's wanted. Whenever we look at the scriptures, when we look at the history of the church, when we look at the history of revival movements that have taken place in the United States and around the world, whenever you look at the lives of people you admire, the Christian heroes in your life, they all have one thing in common, and that's this. God comes where he's wanted, which means God comes into the places and inhabits the people who want him there. What we know from the scriptures and what you know to be true is that God never forces himself on anybody. He doesn't make his will happen on your life. He is only going to come into your life and into a church or into a community if he's welcome there. He respects your person, who you are. People that force themselves on other people are a different category of people. We don't like that. And God doesn't do that. He never forces himself on you, but he comes where he's wanted. And so what does it look like practically for me to say God comes where he's wanted? What do you, what do you think that practically looks like? Well, I would say mental health in our community starts to get restored. Like, wouldn't it be cool if God came in power and lived among people in such a way that the mental the mentally unstable outbursts that we've seen start to decline, that there is actually a measurable decline in violence in our communities and in domestic violence. Wouldn't it be cool? Like, that's what I think when I think when God comes into a community, there's something that happens with his power and his peace that actually is demonstrable. We're like, you're mentally healthier. And that spreads to other people. God comes where he's one. It means that our cities, that we begin to see something measurable when it comes to healing some of the racism and the bigotry that we see all around us. It means that the broken, the brokenhearted, and the discouraged, their hearts are mended. It means that the sick are made well. And not just that they feel better while they slowly die. Like that, that God's power might actually heal someone's physical body. Imagine a city... Imagine a city breaking our unhealthy dependence on a for-profit healthcare system. Wouldn't it be amazing if there just wasn't enough work to go around in a hospital? 
because God's power and presence was healing people. God comes where he's wanted. God comes where he's wanted. Uh, imagine families that are healed. Imagine marriages that are restored. Imagine divorce lawyers leaving their work because there's just not enough work to go around because marriages are restored. When I think about God comes where he's wanted, when he comes into a place and his spirit begins to lead us and guide us, it better have results. There better be something there. And so when I look at our world and I say, man, there's a lot of problems out there. And you look at the world, we go, there's so much going on. How do we deal with it? I just wonder if God might offer us something that might actually bring that kind of healing. God comes where he's wanted. And I think there's so many questions that we need to solve in our culture. You know that. I know that. And hopefully we'll get to play our part as a church in dealing with those things and addressing some of those things. But we got to understand that God comes where he's wanted. It starts with us. It starts actually in your heart. Like if you don't have it, if the fire isn't lit in you, you can't expect this to move on to somebody else. You can't ex if you've not tasted and seen that the power of God is working in you, what chance do you have to spread that to someone else to encounter the power of God? You don't. You don't. It starts with you. It starts with me. We say, God, the cry of my heart is to welcome you into my life. And this isn't the, uh, what we call traditionally the sinner's prayer where you give your life to God for the first time. This is, God, I'm welcoming you into my life, into the parts of my life that I have control over. God comes where he's wanted. In uh, Revelation 3.20, it's the end of the Bible. It's a prophetic verse. Uh, Jesus is, uh, it's, a, it's, it's what Jesus says in this moment. Uh, and it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And basically he's saying that your heart is kind of like a home. And Jesus is a person that wants to come into your life. So where are you at with this door knocking analogy? For some of you, he's at the outside of your heart and he's knocking. He's on the front porch. You got a stack of newspapers you haven't picked up. He's knocking. He wants to be let in. For some of you, you've let him into the foyer or the foyer for some of you. He's in the foyer. But he wants to go into the living room to see how you actually live. Well, I don't know about that, JC. Stay on the linoleum or the hardwood on the foyer. For some of you, you've invited him into the living room in the foyer. foyer and, but he's like, hey, um, let's go check out that bedroom. Oh, boy. I don't know if I'm ready to let him go into the bedroom of my life. For some of you, he's knocking on the door of your laptop. He wants to log into your bank account, take a look at how you spend money. You're like, I don't know about that. And some of you, he just wants to go to the kitchen. He just wants to dine with you. He wants to sit across from you and for you to actually know him and for him to, for you to feel like he actually knows you. Like he wants to be in relationship with you. You see, sometimes... We invite Jesus, we follow this door-knocking analogy, we invite Jesus into parts of our life, but we don't invite him into everything in our life, and this is a problem. Why? Because God comes where he's wanted in our personal life. 
And God comes where he's wanted in the different areas of your life that you will let him. He will not force himself into your bedroom life. He will not force himself into your finances. He will not force himself into your sense of autonomy and how you think about what you do with your time in the living room. God comes where he's wanted in your personal life. And I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to say, might I suggest that if you're experiencing personal problems, some personal problems, like in your love life, let's just use that as an example. Your love life, maybe you're married, maybe you're single, maybe you're looking for someone, maybe you're kind of seeing someone, but they suck, and you're trying to upgrade, but you can't find anyone, it sucks. Whatever it is. You, have you invited, I mean, yeah, a lot of, has anyone ever, I mean, I hear laughter, but has anyone ever dated someone that they wish they weren't dating? Yes, that is history, that is true of history of all of time. Not me, you and me, babe, forever. But, you know, uh, I've kind of, Okay, so let's move on. <laughs> if you're experiencing trouble in your love life, person won't commit, you don't want the person to commit, you don't know what to do, sunk cost, fallacy, whatever it is. Have you invited Jesus into the room where you keep your love life and where you keep dating? Maybe you are having troubles with your decision making. Have you invited Jesus to set the priorities of your life. Some of you might be having some question marks around finances. Have you invited Jesus into the room of your finances? Or are you continuing to follow a way that you, may, you think makes you happy? Perhaps you're not winning in an area or a room of your life because you've chosen to substitute the way of Jesus for a different way. You've chosen not to welcome God into that specific area of your life. And what I would say to you is, why not just go the opposite? Why not just do an about face? Why not choose to welcome God into that area of your life and just see what happens? Because up to this point, your best idea hasn't worked for you. And I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. If there's an area of your life that isn't working and you're continuing to do the same thing, that is insanity. That is insane. So why not stop being insane and submit that part of your life to God and see what happens. I think that's a really great wager. Now, God comes where he's wanted in our hearts and it starts with you. And you can't do anything in your community or in this church unless God starts that with you. But we also believe that God comes where he's wanted in the church. Now, you might think because it's a church that like God's automatically here. That's not necessarily true. But what I want to do for you right now, Kingdom Builders is a vision series where we're talking about the future of our church. In the summer, nobody comes to church, all right? It's like half of what we could do, right? And so like what we decided to do is here's the core of people that really want to know where we're going. So we're focusing in and doing some, saying some laser statements about where we're headed as a church. So this is a vision statement. I'm laying the groundwork with our leadership team to prepare us for what we plan to do over late summer and from 2022 to 2023. This is what it means. God comes where he's wanted in our community. And the first slide is this. God comes where he's wanted in our Sunday services. And we believe that Sundays still matter. You know, our strong desire is to welcome God in such a way that our service would be so full of God's power and presence that the outside watching world would look at us and go, wow, 
I'm not sure I believe Jesus came back to life, but there's something going on there. There's something that they believe and have experienced about God that's so real, so palpable. I want to figure that out for me. I want to experience that. And so here's how we plan to create that future together. Here's how I want us to plan and create that future together. Now, I'm committed to preaching God's word every week and preaching the power of the gospel. And as we preach the gospel, what does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus was a real person, that he was crucified, that he was buried. Three days later, he rose again, and he was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses, and he ascended into heaven, and he rules and reigns uh, from heaven, and in one day, he's going to return and make everything new again. And I believe that when we glorify Jesus and what Jesus has done, when we put the emphasis on Jesus Christ alone, there's something that God does to hold up his end of the bargain. Well, what is it? The scriptures say that the Spirit shows up in power when we honor the power of Jesus, when we welcome and bring honor to Jesus. And that when we keep the main thing the main thing, when we focus on the risen Jesus, that his spirit shows up in new and in powerful ways. And here's the hard truth. I don't know if you figured this out about me, but I can't make anybody do anything. And neither can you, actually. I can't make you be good. I can't make you do anything. And just think about the people in your life when you've tried to persuade them. You can per try to persuade them. You can communicate. You can listen. You can support. But you can't make anybody do anything. But when God, in all of his power, is present in a room like this, the Spirit of God has this ability to weave and bypass my, my persuasion. And he can go right into your head. And he can go right into your heart. And when God, in his power, in his presence, gently and persuasively speaks to us, I think that's the thing that leads someone to new hope, to new change, where their life really changes for real, which it should be freeing for you and for me. That we're like, we don't have to make anyone do anything when it comes to God. All we have to do is leave room for God to do what he wants to do because he's so much better at talking to people than you and I are, isn't he? And so when we get that sense of conviction, when we get that sense of conviction that begins to spread among different people in a room like this. And something special starts to happen in the church. We see God do things. So here's, what, here's something that's going to be good for you. Uh, here's something I want to leave before I move on to the next point. Uh, here's something that you can do that is good for you. And it will help you to experience God more. And it's simply this. Make more time in your life for God to do something with our church on Sunday mornings. Make more time. It's not just good for the church, it's actually good for you. Make more time. Make good decisions on Saturday night so you are ready to go on Sunday morning. If you need to, set your phone alarm. 50, and, and whether you're in this church or any other church, this is just good for you. Set your phone alarm 15 minutes earlier than you normally would to be able to show up at a time where you can come with expectation for what God may want to do. That you aren't rushed. 
that you are in an emotional position and an emotional state that's a healthier place to be open to receive all that God may want to do. Sometimes we do everything so last minute and we show up in rooms and we're late. We just dump into that room. Like we just dump who we are into that room. What does it look like to prepare and come with expectation? Maybe it means you walk the dog 15 minutes earlier. Maybe you pre-order your coffee to get here on time. You plan for traffic. And when you're here, the ask is this. When you're here, be present. Be present. If you see something that needs to happen, say something. If, get excited about worshiping the God that saved you. Get excited about saying hello to someone. Empathize with someone that looks newer. Imagine the courage it takes to walk into a room where you don't know anybody and you're looking for God and you don't know what's going to happen. Imagine what that feels like. Or remember what it felt like when you first walked into a room with a bunch of Christians. Imagine what it's like. Walk across the room and say, hey, how are you? My name is. And introduce yourself and be as normal as possible. <laughs> Christians are weird. All right. Anyway, you know, and listen, do for others what others did for you when you first came here. Look, there's people, as we plan for the fall, there's going to be people who are going to be showing up to this church because they saw us on Yelp. They're like, mm, I go to, what do I want to look for? I want to look for a good ramen place and a church on the west side. Oh, this one's ranked three. Let's go there. <laughs> They're a lot smaller than I thought. And they have lots of boxes. <laughs> we just believe in science. They find us on Yelp. They do an internet search. They go to our Instagram. They're like, well, that looks semi-normal. They come in. They usually show up around 9.50 because that's what guests do. They show up on time. It's only the regulars that come in. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like they do. If you watch, if, you, if, if you've been to a church in Los Angeles, watch when a guest comes. It's 9.50, 9.55. The regulars pop in whenever they feel like it. And, um, and I, think that, I think, but I think that's, that's a courtesy thing. And they're coming in off the street for any number of reasons. And they will be coming off the, in off the street for any number of reasons this fall. They're going to be, and the big thing that they're looking for at 9.50 in the morning, at a 10 o'clock service start, they're saying, God, are you here? Are you here? Like, God, like, I'm showing up and I got an issue. Are you here, Lord? And then the other question they're asking is, are these my people? Are these people I can relate to? And the future we hope to create is that as these folks emerge from the shadows of pandemic and start showing up to this beautiful startup community, as they show up, you're already here at 9.45. <laughs> and together, new people and OGs that helped start the church Young people and not so old, uh, more silver-haired people. Down and outers and up and outers. They come together with expectation. God, we're here. You rose from the dead. I'm making mental, emotional, and physical space for you to do what you want to do. That's what we believe is possible for you and for me on a Sunday morning. That's where we're headed. 
Number two, God comes where he's wanted among the believers. We believe that circles are better than rows. What do I mean? These are rows, but circles are better. God comes where he's wanted means that, our, that the Christian prioritizes being in regular relationship with other Christians in groups. And when this happens, those Christians actually become healthier Christians across the board. Across the board. Across the board, um, you know, uh, over the last 2,000 years, when you look at church history, Christians have come together in groups. And when they do, and they welcome God in, um, something happens to them. They actually grow mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Some people even get healthier physically because there's something about being in a circle and sharing your life with somebody that actually changes you. Here, it's just me talking at you. And this, the temptation is that you sitting here listening to me and you're running your, you're running your scenario if you like what I'm saying and you're looking at how long I've spoke and you're deciding if you feel entertained on some level. And some level you're looking for God to speak to you. But when you're in a circle and everyone's sharing and, and caring and like you're getting real with each other, there's something else that's able to come out of you where you're able to give something to somebody and they're able to get something from you and you actually become better people. And, you know, maybe you're here today or you attend Sundays and you feel like you're not growing in your faith. Well, you know, um, and you know God wants to do more in you. You believe God wants to do more in you. And if you are brave enough to come up to me and speak to me after the service, one of the questions, the primary questions I would ask you is, well, are you in a community group? Are you in a community group? Are you in a place where you actually get to be transparent with other people? And are you positioning yourself to be around other people where they might be able to say things to you that you initially don't like? Are you able to handle someone else in your life who says they care about you, hold up a mirror, say, this is what you are. And from that challenge, are you able to respond to what they're saying and grow? Now, I've been to churches that have community groups that do not welcome God in. And I got to tell you, they're really fun sometimes, but they're almost like a bowling league. Like, you know, there's a lot of fun, but nothing really ever changes. And I've been to other community groups that do model opening, their, uh, opening up and saying, God, we welcome you in. And the groups that welcome in God, because God comes where he's wanted, those are the groups that see life change. Those are the groups that see themselves actually grow spiritually. Those are the ones that start to see more coincidences connected to the Spirit happen in their lives. Those are the people that were stuck, get unstuck. And the fringe benefit bonus is they actually get better friends out of the deal. Here's where we're headed as a community. Now, the summer's a little crazy. We're going to throw some parties, put people in rooms, and do all the stuff. But by the fall, we're going to be launching at least three groups with the hopes to launch five groups. Uh, and we are asking you, if you're serious about growing in your walk with God and in with other people who believe that, we're looking for 100% participation in a community group. Not because it makes us feel better, but because see, we think that's good for you. Number three, God comes where he's wanted. In our community, we believe that relationships are central to authentically sharing Jesus. So God comes where he's wanted, 
means that we welcome him into our everyday relationships. You know, I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, and I hope you do too. I also believe that sharing our faith, and if you grew up in any kind of evangelical circle, you've heard the word evangelism, and that can be a very confusing word. Sharing your faith can be really weird and hard and like pressure-oriented, and you think of maybe sandwich signs or like holding a Bible in someone's face and saying, you got to believe the Romans wrote or whatever, and all that, you know, whatever. Um, but what I believe and what this church has prioritized is what does it look like for us just to be good friends with the people in our lives? And when Jesus wants to, what does it look like for Jesus to walk across the bridge of friendship that we have with other people. And the reason I like this is because we're not manipulating people. We're not being friends with people just to get them to pray a prayer so we think that they don't go to hell. We're just being good people and leaving space for God to do what God wants to do with somebody else. It's a different way of thinking about sharing our faith and like cramming it down and thinking about the thing. And I believe that this is something that we're headed towards as a community. So not only are we just going to be in community groups together, here's what we're challenging you to do. What does it look like this summer and this fall to bring together and mix together people who are actually in this room and people in your everyday life? These can be neighbors, these can be coworkers, people that you go out with. Just mix them together and throw better parties. Whatever party you're throwing, throw it better. Um, you can throw a wine tasting party. You can go to the beach. You can invite people out to dinner. Whatever it is, what does it look like just to mix your worlds, to have people get to know each other, to throw a barbecue, and then step back and just be a good host and see what happens? No strings attached, no bait and switch. Nikki and I have been doing this for years. And the fruit of it is that people walk away being better friends with us and also like asking deeper questions about their life. Not because we're like, you know, like if I pour someone a margarita and then I'm like, so have you been washed in the blood? <laughs> That's not what's happening at these parties. It's just a normal party. And just uh, the sheer, like our, just who we are begins to shine. The Jesus inside of us just begins to go into someone else's life and they're like, I wonder, and, and they watch how we work, they watch how we parent, they watch how we treat people, they watch how we pay our taxes. They watch all the things in our life. So when we merge those worlds, this community and that community, we're creating the potential for something new that God may want to do. We're aiming at that. Nikki and I have been doing it for years. We cannot do it alone. We're inviting you to do that. You have been ordained. You have permission. Throw a great party. Are we clear? All right, good. All right, let's go. Next one. Um, God comes where he's wanted in our love of the city. We believe that Christians must serve the city with no strings attached. God comes where he's wanted. When we honor the scriptures and we care about those who are in need. And right now, we're evaluating two partnerships with the hope of evaluating a third. The first is Upward Bound House. It's located in Santa Monica. This is an organization that cares for homeless families, helps them get back on their feet, and they can live in an apartment and care for those families. Uh, second one we're evaluating is called Harvest Home, and they just built a new place in a nunnery in the middle of the city, and it is an organization that works with pregnant, homeless mothers, helping them to make really healthy decisions and to get back on their feet 
and to give them education and training, and um, it's a really good thing. The third one we're taking a look at is something, this is the one we're kind of evaluating, is the value life ministry. Now, with everything going on with Roe versus Wade and the Supreme Court decision, it's highlighted that whether you are pro-life or pro-choice, that just the sheer change in public policy alone, that there is going to be an increase in pregnant moms who are going to need real support. They are going to need resources. Now, as a church, our leadership team has sat down and we have refused to enter into the anxious national debate about this. We're just not going to enter in. So don't expect any Instagram stories about how we feel about this to come out anytime soon. We will not be a church that's going to promote the right to choose. And we're not going to side with the pro-life movement, which tends to focus all its attention on changing federal and state laws. Instead, as a church, we've decided to be a church that will value life by serving vulnerable women that are in need, but by providing every resource uh, for moms to be. And this is important because we don't know how they ended up, where they ended up, and we know that, that it's a very complicated issue, but if they're in front of us, and if we see a need, we're going to do what we can to care about them. And so you've seen the theme, right? The first two I mentioned um, with, uh, with Upward Bound House, uh, in the Harvest Home, that leans in that direction. But we're going to figure out if there's anything else that we can do. Now, if you are on the political left and you are on the political right, we believe that actually doing something locally to care for moms who are in a vulnerable situation, it doesn't matter your political beliefs. We can actually come together on this issue and have an impact. And so we believe that the first thing that we need to do in this area is start with prayer and build a team around it. And I'm not going to make the call now, but if you are interested in learning more or coming together, we're building a group of people. We're going to meet in the next couple months and pray about, God, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to care for those who are currently vulnerable? And not just get stuck having a theoretical uh, discussions that really have no impact on the issue. Okay? All right. So, yeah. All right. And if you're angry about what I said, because of your political leanings, you can email me at patrickvukovic.com. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> all right. Cool. So, that, that's all. So, lastly, how are we going to do all this? Well, we got the summer. People are traveling. I'm traveling. We're going to build over the summer. We're going to invite people that want to be a part of this core. We're going to do all that. And then in the, in the fall, it's going to really ramp up. But how else are we going to do it? Well, God comes where he's wanted in our personal finances. And God comes where he's wanted both in our personal finances and the finances of our church. There's a verse on the screen. More, more quotes from Jesus today. Matthew 6, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Last verse is the most important I want you to hear. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what is he talking about here? Jesus is talking about money, which means what you do with your money shows what you actually feel about God. And where you invest and spend 
and save your money. That's where your heart and your emotions and your energy and your hopes and dreams, they will be there too. And so, if you and I sat down together, and in this theoretical conversation, we both bring a, a copy, a printed copy of our bank statements and our credit card statements. We just had it all lined out. What would it say about what you and I both truly love? What would it say? Does your bank statement say that you truly love handbags and shoes? Does your bank statement say that you are an incredible saver? Because what's important to you is to own a piece of real estate at some point. Is your true love substances that may or may not be legal? Or is, does your bank statement reveal that you have a number of receipts from your local liquor store? Does your bank statement show me that you have line after line of amazing experiences because you travel a lot? For me, my bank statement would reveal that I love tacos of all kinds. <laughs> that I love taking people out to lunch. That I spend way too much money on my family. And it reveals that I love Pacific City Church. And right now, you have an opportunity to demonstrate to God how you feel about him with your finances. And um, a little background about where we are. But before I start this, if this is your first time here or you're newer to the church and evaluating the church, I'm going to have a family conversation with people who have considered this to be their church home. What's a family conversation? It means you get to sit in on what I'm saying to the family, but you don't have to be responsible, right? It's like a voyeur moment, like when you're watching the Kardashians. I know no one here watches the Kardashians. <laughs> Wink. And so, like, you're watching a family conversation. Well, they have a real, and then you shut it off, right? Or you, you watch whatever program about a family uh, that's having a conversation, and then you can shut it off at the end, and you're not responsible for it. That's what's happening here. So if you're newer or you're evaluating, I'm going to speak frankly around the finances of this church and where we're at, but you can just sit back and be like, I dodged that one. So just sit back and enjoy, okay? Are we clear? Okay. Uh, how about the reg? I don't want the new people to indicate who they are, but the regulars, can you just be like, yes, they're off the hook. All right, thank you. Okay, with that being said, um, a little background of where we are. I love this church, but we have not recovered fully because there was a global pandemic, okay? And in fact, in order for us to even relaunch this past last summer and fall, I went out and personally raised thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars from my friends and from other churches across the country to get us to where we're at today. So here's what that means. Our ability to do what we do now and everything I laid out in terms of our vision about welcoming God in, in all of the areas of our church, that requires financial resources. And those resources don't come from thin air. Everything we do is paid for by someone. It just doesn't appear in the church's bank account. And this means that Pack City depends on the financial generosity of, you guessed it, Pack City members. So here's the invitation. In order for us to do what we believe that God is calling us to do, I'm inviting Jesus followers who call this church their church home, I'm inviting you into something that we call tithing. And tithing isn't somebody else's job. 
Tithing isn't the responsibility of other churches across the country or other individuals who believe in what we're doing. It's your job and it's my job. And also, I want to say this. If you have been tithing to Pacific City Church, I want to say thank you. That is very cool. You are living into everything that God has commanded you to. And you should expect blessing from God because of your obedience in that area of your life. So if that's you, um, you can uh, sit with the, any kind of first-time visitors on this one. But um, for everybody else, we've noticed as a leadership team that there's some giving trends that we're seeing. And um, our leadership team is concerned that we may not understand tithing. We may understand giving, but we may not understand tithing. So I'm going to explain tithing to you. What is tithing? Well, a tithe is a biblical standard that we use, which a tithe actually means tenth part. It's a tenth part that we give to our local church. And it's what Christians are commanded to give back to God, to the local church where they worship, because of his generosity to us. Well, what's the difference? You know, when, um, when Kate was up here, they go, she said something about tithes and offerings. What's the difference? And this is just fun education for some of us. Well, a tithe is the first tenth part of my income to a local church where I worship. So, for instance, if I, let's just use a higher number. If I make $2 million a year, 10% would be, that's amazing. And if I made $75,000 a year, that would be, Excellent. And what would be, uh, would 7,500 be divided by 12? So if you gave monthly, what would that be? 620. Amen, brother. I don't know. And, and what would that be weekly? You got it? 625 uh, weekly. Yeah, it's cool. I came up with 150. Maybe, um, anyway. <laughs> I'm blaming myself. I feel like you're right. Uh, um, yeah, so, um, well, so that's tithing, right? What is an offering? An offering is, is actually different. An offering, the way we define offering, is that it's anything I give to the church or anything that I give to local charities that is above and beyond the 10%. And so, for instance, like when Nikki and Marin and I, when we sit down and we give uh, monthly to Charity Water, by the way, the healthiest and most transparent uh, nonprofit organization ever, uh, it's awesome. We give to them monthly. That is an offering. And we were like, God, we're so grateful for everything that you've given us. We're going to give to that. So we give money that we believe in clean water. We believe in all that. Um, and uh, when, when the bears give to Charity Water, they're big Charity Water people. Uh, when they give that, they are, that, that is above and beyond their tithe. And when we give, it is above and beyond our, our tithe. That is an offering to the Lord because we are so grateful and we want to have an impact. Okay, why should I tithe 10% to my local church? Well, two reasons. God commands it, and Jesus commended it. Uh, in Matthew 23, Jesus says, tithe, yeah, but don't forget, don't for leave other things undone either. Why else should I tithe? Well, here's the interesting part for you and for me. Tithing demonstrates that God has first place in our life, and it reminds us that everything we have comes from God. It expresses our love for God. You know, Nikki and I, when we tithe every month, we never regret it. We have never regretted it. We should feel more stingy. We should feel more like it's ours and we want to keep it. But we don't. We, we, we acknowledge how much joy that makes us feel. And, and it's just weird because when we choose to be obedient with our money through tithing, God has this way of opening up new things for us and blessing us in new ways. And so if you're the kind of person, actually, 
that's looking for a new kind of blessing in your life, God's word says, test me. Test me. Especially around giving financially to the church. He says, test me and see if I will not open the floodgates of generosity to you. This is the only place in scripture where God invites us to test him is around our money. And I wonder why. Because you know why? It's our money. Now here is another part of this family conversation. Right now, here's the hard reality. Uh, There's three data points for you. Number one, 20% of our giving every month comes from a bunch of people that are my friends and churches across the country. Uh, And they give anywhere from $50 to $300 a month. And these are people that just believe in what we're doing, which is so cool. Did you know there's like dozens and dozens of people around this country that believe in you? The impact you can have in our city? They just believe in you and they just give it. And this is above and beyond their tithe. Uh, The second stat, about 60% of our giving comes from about eight families or eight individuals total. And the third stat is the other 20%, which, you know, 20, 60 plus 20, right? 100%. Other 20% that we're getting comes from split between 50 other people who call this their church home. So let's interpret this data. That means that eight families or individuals, eight bank accounts, and a bunch of people who don't even go to this church make up 80% of the monthly giving. And it also means that the 20% that don't go to this church give as much, if not more, than the people that actually do call it their church, 50 people that call it their church home. Now, if you were me, and you were presented with this data, what would you say? You'd say, well, there's probably something that needs to change. And this is why we're inviting you to tithe. Since we came out of the pandemic, we have, we are, our expenses are around $18,000 a month. We have a $6,000 shortfall of that. And thank God we had enough in savings. And thank God we were able to go out and raise new money to come through this crazy pandemic. So in order, and let me state it simply, in order for us to bounce back and continue what we're doing, this is why we're having this conversation over the summer so we can get it all in order, so we can focus on the future. We need to, we need to grow our giving to about $20,000 a month, which actually means that we need everyone to jump in. And I believe that we can meet this challenge easily if you help and pitch in. And we believe that if you participate, if you're a regular, we believe that if you participate in tithing, we can not only make up the deficit, but we can set ourselves up financially to do the things that I am talking about. Like if we want to have a service that impacts people with all the things that we need to have a great service, if we want to have great worship, if we want to have growing and healthy groups that we're able to promote and bring people in and the resources to train them, if we want to throw really great parties and empower people to throw great parties, if we want to have an impact through some of our new ministries to serve the most vulnerable in our need, we're just going to have to start growing our giving. But I believe we can do it. And so if you're a regular here, you're invited to do something specific, which is tithing, which is wrestle with God and step out in faith and start to give 10% of your income. Um, and what you, when you do this, you're not only obeying God, but you're joining Patrick and Kate and Nikki and myself, the board. We're the board. And the other tithers, we're joining up with what God's doing in this community. And so you're invited to be a part of that. So that's how we're going to do it. Let me close with this. 
Here's where I'm going to leave you. The world is a weird place. The world is going through a weird time. Churches are going through a weird time. But I still believe that God comes where he's wanted. And I want to invite you, would you be willing to join me in welcoming God? Welcoming God in our service. Leaving space for him to do more in our service because we've made more mental and emotional space in our personal life. Welcoming God into our community groups. Maybe even signing up to host one. Will you welcome God into our approach for reaching the lost by leaving space for God to speak through us in our friendships? With justice and mercy to our community. And will you welcome God into your finances? And my hope is, is that we can bet big on God because his word says he comes where he's wanted. Let's be the kind of people that welcome God. Let's start with us and let's let it spread to the church. That's what I had to share with you. Thank you so much for being here. Let's all stand together. I'm going to invite the worship team to lead us through one last song, and then I'm going to wrap up our time. Um, and so as we're doing it, we're, we're, I'm going to invite one group of people to respond. And it is anyone who said, you know, you know what, I really do want to welcome God in a deeper way in my life. I want to leave space for God to do something new in my life. We want to pray blessing on that. And this isn't like I'm coming to Jesus for the first time. This is like, I just want God to do more. And we would love to pray for you. So if that's you, uh, we have some folks on our prayer team that are here in the front area. We're going to pray that God would begin to do that in you. And we believe that God will speak to you and lead you. And so if that's you, just make your way to this front area while we sing this next song. All right, let's worship together.